Section 65 of Uncollected Short Stories of Ella Montgomery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Skip, Washington, D.C. Uncollected Short Stories of Ella Montgomery by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Section 65. The Life Book of Uncle Jesse. Uncle Jesse. The name calls up the vision of him as I saw him so often in those two enchanted summers at Golden Gate, as I saw him the first time, when he stood in the open doorway of the little low-eaved cottage on the harbor shore, welcoming us to our new domicile with the gentle, unconscious courtesy that became him so well. A tall, ungainly figure, somewhat stooped, yet suggestive of great strength and endurance, a clean-shaven old face deeply lined and bronzed, a thick mane of iron-gray hair falling quite to his shoulders, and a pair of remarkably blue deep-set eyes which sometimes twinkled and sometimes streamed, but oftener looked out seaward with a wistful quest in them, as of one seeking something precious and lost. I was to learn one day what it was for which Uncle Jesse looked. It cannot be denied that Uncle Jesse was a homely man. His spare jaws, rugged mouth, and square brow were not fashioned on the lines of beauty. But though at first sight you thought him plain, you never thought anything more about it. The spirit shining through that rugged tenement beautified it so wholly. Uncle Jesse was quite keenly aware of his lack of outward comeliness, and lamented it, for he was a passionate worshipper of beauty and everything. He told Mother once that he'd rather like to be made over again, and made handsome. Folks say I'm good, he remarked whimsically, but I sometimes wish the Lord had made me only half as good and put the rest of it into looks. But I reckon he knew what he was about, as a good captain should. Some of us have to be homely, or the purty ones, like Miss Mary over there, wouldn't show up so well. I was not in the least pretty, but Uncle Jesse was always telling me I was, and I loved him for it. He told the fib so prettily and sincerely that he almost made me believe it, for the time being, and I really think he believed it himself. All women are lovely and of good report in his eyes, because of one he had loved. The only time I ever saw Uncle Jesse really angered was when someone in his hearing cast an aspersion on the character of a shore girl. The wretched man who did it fairly cringed when Uncle Jesse turned on him with lightning of eye and thundercloud of brow. At that moment I no longer found it hard to reconcile Uncle Jesse's simple, kindly personality with the wild, adventurous life he had lived. We went to Golden Gate in the spring. Mother's health had not been good and her doctor recommended sea air and quiet. Uncle James, when he heard it, proposed that we take possession of a small cottage at Golden Gate, to which he had recently fallen heir by the death of an old aunt who had lived in it. I haven't been up to see it, he said, but it is just as Aunt Elizabeth left it, and she was the pink of neatness. The key is in the possession of an old sailor living nearby. Jesse Boyd is the name, I think. I imagine you can be very comfortable in it. It is built right on the harbor shore, inside the bar, and it is within five minutes' walk of the outside shore. Uncle James's offer fitted in very opportunely with our limp family purse, and we straightway betook ourselves to Golden Gate. We telegraphed to Jesse Boyd to have the house opened for us, and one crisp spring day, when a rollicking wind was scudding over the harbor and the dunes, whipping the water into white caps, and washing the sand shore with long lines of silvery breakers, we alighted at the little station and walked the half-mile to our new home, leaving our goods and chattels to be carted over in the evening by an obliging station agent's boy. Our first glimpse of Anna Elizabeth's cottage was a delight to soul and sense. It looked so like a big gray seashell stranded on the shore. Between it and the harbor was only a narrow strip of shingle, and behind it was a gnarled and battered firwood, where the winds were in the habit of harping all sorts of weird and haunting music. 
inside it was to prove even yet more quaint and delightful with its low dark beam ceilings and square deep-set windows by which whether open or shut sea breezes entered at their own sweet will the view from our door was magnificent taking in the big harbour and sweeps of purple hills beyond the entrance of the harbour gave it its name a deep narrow channel between the bar of sand dunes on the one side of a steep high frowning red sandstone cliff on the other we appreciated its significance the first time we saw a splendid golden sunrise flooding it coming out of the wonderful sea and sky beyond and billowing through the narrow passage in waves of light truly it was a golden gate through which one might sail to fairylands forlorn as we went along the path to our little house we were agreeably surprised to see a blue spiral of smoke curling up from its big square chimney and the next moment uncle jesse we were calling him uncle jesse half an hour after we met him so it seemed scarcely worth while to begin with anything else came to the door welcome ladies he said holding out a big hard but scrupulously clean hand i thought you'd be feeling a bit tired and hungry maybe so when i came over to open up i put on a fire and brewed you up a cup of tea i just delight in being neighborly and tain't often i have the chance we found that uncle jesse's cup of tea meant a veritable spread he had aired the little dining-room set out the table daintily with aunt elizabeth's china and linen know just where to put my hands on em often and often helped old miss kennedy wash em we were cronies her and me i miss her terrible and adorned it with mayflowers which as we afterward discovered he had tramped several miles together there was good bread and butter store biscuits a dish of tea fit for the gods on high olympus and a platter of the most delicious sea trout done to a turn thought they'd be tasty after travelling said uncle jesse they're fresh as trout can be ma'am two hours ago they were swimming in johnson's pond yonder i caught em yes ma'am it's about all i'm good for now catchin trout and caught occasional but twern't always so not by no manner of means i used to do other things as you'd admit if you saw my life-book i was so hungry and tired that i did not then rise to the bait of uncle jesse's life-book i simply wanted to begin on those trout mother insisted that uncle jesse sit down and help us to eat the repast he had prepared and he assented without undue coaxing thank you kindly twill be a real treat i mostly has to eat my meals alone with the reflection of my ugly old fizz in a looking-glass opposite for company tis an often i have the chance to sit down with two such sweet pretty ladies uncle jesse's compliments looked bald enough on paper but he paid them with such a gracious gentle deliverance of tone and look that the woman who received them felt that she was being offered a queen's gift in kingly fashion he broke bread with us and from that moment we were all friends together and forever after we had eaten all we could we sat at our table for an hour and listened to uncle jesse telling us stories of his life if i talk too much you must just check me he said seriously with a twinkle in his eyes when i do get a chance to talk to anyone i'm apt to run on terrible he had been a sailor from the time he was ten years old and some of his adventures had such a marvellous edge that i secretly wondered if uncle jesse were not drawing a rather long bow on our credulous expense but in this as i found later i did him injustice his tales were all literally true and uncle jesse had the gift of the born story-teller whereby unhappy far-off things can be brought vividly before the hearer and made to live again in all their pristine poignancy mother and i laughed and shivered over uncle jesse's tales and once we found ourselves crying uncle jesse surveyed our tears with pleasure shining out through his face like an illuminating lamp 
i like to make folks cry that way he remarked it's a compliment but i can't do justice to the things i've seen and helped do i've got em all jotted down in my life-book but i haven't got the knack of writing them out properly if i had i could make a great book if i had the knack of hitting on just the right words and stringing everything together proper on paper but i can't it's in this poor human critter uncle jesse patted his breast sorrowfully but he can't get it out when uncle jesse went home that evening mother asked him to come often to see us i wonder if you'd give that invitation if you knew how likely i'd be to accept it he remarked whimsically which is another way of saying you wonder if i meant it smiled mother i do most heartily and sincerely then i'll come you'll likely be pestered with me at any hour and i'd be proud to have you drop over and visit me now and then too i live on that point yonder neither me nor my house is worth coming to see it's only got one room and a loft and a stove-pipe sticking out of the roof for a chimney but i've got a few things lying around that i picked up in the queer corners i used to be poking my nose into maybe they'd interest you uncle jesse's few little things turned out to be the most interesting collection of curios i had ever seen his one neat little living room was full of them beautiful hideous or quaint as the case might be and almost all having some weird or exciting story attached mother and i had a beautiful summer at golden gate we lived the life of two children with uncle jesse as a playmate our housekeeping was of the simplest description and we spent our hours rambling along the shores reading on the rocks or sailing over the harbor in uncle jesse's trim little boat every day we loved the simple-souled true manly old sailor more and more he was as refreshing as a sea breeze as interesting as some ancient chronicle we never tired of listening to his stories and his quaint remarks and comments were a continual delight light to us uncle jesse was one of those interesting and rare people who in the picturesque phraseology of the shore folks never speak but they say something the milk of human kindness and the wisdom of the serpent were mingled in uncle jesse's composition in delightful proportions one day he was absent all day and returned at nightfall took a tramp back yonder back yonder with uncle jesse might mean the station hamlet or the city a hundred miles away or any place between to carry mr kimball a mess of trout he likes one occasional and saw i can do for a kindness he did me once i stayed all day to talk to him he likes to talk to me though he's an edicated man because he's one of those folks that got a talker they're miserable and he finds listeners scarce round here the folks fight shy of him because they think he's an infidel he ain't that far gone exactly few men is i reckon but he's what you might call a heretic heretics are wicked but they're mighty interesting it's just that they've got sort of lost looking for god being under the impression that he's hard to find which he ain't never most of em blunder to him after a while i guess i don't think listening to mr kimball's arguments is likely to do me much harm mind you i believe what i was brought up to believe it saves a vast of trouble and back of it all god is good the trouble with mr kimball is he's a little too clever he thinks he's bound to live up to his clever and that it's smarter to thrash out some new way of getting to heaven than to go by the old track the common ignorant folks is traveling but he'll get there some time all right and then he'll laugh at himself nothing ever seemed to put uncle jesse out or depress him in any way i've kind of contracted a habit of enjoying things he remarked once when mother had commented on his invariable cheerfulness it's got so chronic that i believe i even enjoy the disagreeable things it's great fun thinking they can't last old rheumatiz i says when it grips me hard you've got to stop aching some time the worse you are the sooner you'll stop perhaps i'm bound to get the better of you in the long run whether in the body or out of the body 
uncle jesse seldom came to our house without bringing us something even if it were only a bunch of sweet grass i favor the smell of sweet grass he said it always makes me think of my mother she was fond of it not that i knows on didn't know she ever saw any sweet grass no it's because it has kind of a motherly perfume not too young you understand something kind of seasoned and wholesome and dependable just like a mother uncle jesse was a very early riser he seldom missed a sunrise i've seen all kinds of sunrises come in through that there gate he said dreamily one morning when i myself had made a heroic effort at early rising and found him on the rocks halfway between his house and ours i've been all over the world and take it all in all i've never seen a finer sight than a summer sunrise out there beyond the gate a man can't pick his time for dying mary just gotta go when the captain gives his sailing orders but if i could i'd go out when the morning comes in there at the gate i've watched it a many times and thought what a thing it might be to pass out through that great white glory to whatever was waiting beyond on a sea that ain't mapped out on any earthly chart i think mary i'd find lost margaret there he had already told me the story of lost margaret as he always called her he rarely spoke of her but when he did his love for her trembled in every tone a love that had never grown faint or forgetful uncle jesse was seventy it was fifty years since lost margaret had fallen asleep one day in her father's story and drifted as was supposed for nothing was ever known certainly of her fate across the harbor and out of the gate to perish in the black thunder squall that had come suddenly that long ago afternoon but to uncle jesse those fifty years were but as yesterday when it is past i walked the shore for months after that he said sadly looking to find her dear sweet little body but the sea never gave her back to me but i'll find her some time i wish and i could tell you just how she looked but i can't i've seen a fine silvery mist hanging over the gate at sunrise that seemed like her and then again i've seen a white birch in the woods back yonder that made me think of her she had pale brown hair and a little white face and long slender fingers like yours mary only browner for she was a shore girl sometimes i wake up in the night and hear the sea calling to me in the old way and it seems as if lost margaret called in it and when there's a storm and the waves are sobbing and moaning i hear her lamenting among them and when they laugh on a gay day it's her laugh lost margaret's sweet little laugh the sea took her from me but some day i'll find her mary it can't keep us apart forever i had not been long at golden gate before i saw uncle jesse's life-book as he quaintly called it he needed no coaxing to see it and he proudly gave it to me to read it was an old leather-bound book filled with the record of his voyages and adventures i thought what a veritable treasure-trove it would be to a writer every sentence was a nugget in itself the book was no literary merit uncle jesse's charm of story-telling filled him when it came to pen and ink he could only jot roughly down the outlines of his famous tales and both spelling and grammar were sadly askew but i felt that if any one possessing the gift could take the simple record of the brave adventurous life reading between the bald lines the tale of dangers staunchly faced and duties manfully done a wonderful story might be made from it pure comedy and thrilling tragedy were both lying hidden in uncle jesse's life-book waiting for the touch of the magician's hand to waken the laughter and grief and horrors of thousands i thought of my cousin robert kennedy who juggled with words in a masterly fashion but complained that he found it hard to create incidents or characters here were both ready to his hand robert was in japan in the interest of his paper in the fall when the harbor lay black and sullen under november skies mother and i went back to town parting with uncle jesse regretfully we wanted him to visit us in town during the winter but he shook his head it's too far away mary if lost margaret called me i might not hear her there i must be there when my time comes it can't be very far off now 
i wrote often to uncle jesse through the winter and sent him books and magazines he enjoyed them but he thought and truly enough that none of them came up to his life-book for real interest if my life-book could be took and writ by someone that knowed how it would beat them holler he wrote in one of his few letters to me in the spring we returned joyfully to golden gate it was as golden as ever and the harbor as blue the wind still rollicked as gaily and sweetly and the breakers boomed outside the bar as of yore all was in change save uncle jesse he had aged greatly and seemed frail and bent after he had gone home from his first call on us mother cried uncle jesse will soon be going to seek lost margaret she said in june robert came i took him promptly over to see uncle jesse who was very much excited when he found that robert was a real writing man robert wants to hear some of your stories uncle jesse i said tell him the one about the captain who went crazy and imagined he was the flying dutchman this was uncle jesse's best story it was a compound of humor and horror and though i had heard it several times i laughed as heartily and shivered as fearsomely over it as robert did other tales followed uncle jesse had told how his vessel had been run down by a steamer how he had been boarded by malay pirates how his ship had caught fire how he had helped a political prisoner escape from a south american republic he never said a boastful word but it was impossible to help seeing what a hero the man had been brave true resourceful unselfish skilful he sat there in his poor little room and made those things live again for us by a lift of the eyebrow a twist of the lip a gesture a word he painted some whole scene or character so that we saw it as it was finally he lent robert his life-book robert sat up all night reading it and came to the breakfast-table in great excitement mary this is a wonderful book if i could take it and garb it properly work it up into a systematic whole and string it on the thread of uncle jesse's romance of lost margaret it would be the novel of the year do you suppose he would let me do it let you i think he would be delighted i answered and he was he was excited as a schoolboy over it at last his cherished dream was to be realized and his life-book given to the world we'll collaborate said robert you will give the soul and i the body oh we'll write a famous book between us uncle jesse and we'll get right to work uncle jesse was a happy man that summer he looked upon the little back room we gave up to robert for a study as a sacred shrine robert talked everything over with uncle jesse but would not let him see the manuscript you must wait till it's published he said then you'll get it all at once in its best shape robert delved into the treasures of the life book and used them freely he dreamed and brooded over lost margaret until she became a vivid reality to him and lived in his pages as the book progressed it took possession of him and he worked at it with feverish eagerness he let me read the manuscript and criticize it and the concluding chapter of the book which the critics later on were pleased to call idyllic was modeled after my suggestions so that i felt as if i had a share in it too it was autumn when the book was finished robert went back to town but my mother and i decided to stay at golden gate all winter we loved the spot and besides i wished to remain for uncle jesse's sake he was failing all the time and after robert went the excitement of the book-making was past he failed still more rapidly his tramping expeditions were over and he seldom went out in his boat neither did he talk a great deal he liked to come over and sit silently for hours at our seaward window looking out wistfully toward the gate with his swiftly whitening head leaning on his hands the only keen interest he still had was in robert's book he waited and watched impatiently for its publication i want to live till i see it he said just that long then i'll be ready to go he said it would be out in the spring i must hang on till it comes mary 
there were times when i doubted sadly if he would hang on as the winter wore away he grew frailer and frailer but ever he looked forward to the coming of spring and the book his book transformed and glorified one day in young april the book came at last uncle jesse had gone to the post office faithfully every day for a month expecting it but this day he was too feeble to go and i went for him the book was there it was called simply the life book of jesse boyd and on the title page the names of robert kennedy and jesse boyd were printed as collaborators i shall never forget uncle jesse's face as i handed it to him i came away and left him reading it oblivious to all else all night the light burned in his window and i looked out across the sands to it and pictured the delight of the old man poring over the printed pages whereon his own life was portrayed i wondered how he would like the ending the ending i suggested i was never to know after breakfast i went over to uncle jesse's house taking some little delicacy mother had cooked for him it was an exquisite morning full of delicate spring tints and sounds the harbor was sparkling and dimpling like a girl the winds were playing hide-and-seek roguishly among the stunted firs and the silver flashing gulls were soaring over the bar beyond the gate was a shining wonderful sea when i reached the little house on the point i saw the lamp still burning wanly in the window a quick alarm struck my heart without waiting to knock i lifted the latch and entered uncle jesse was lying on the sofa by the window with the book clasped to his heart his eyes were closed and on his face was the look of the most perfect peace and happiness the look of one who has long sought and found at last we could not know at what hour he had died but somehow i think he had his wish and went out when the morning came in through the golden gate out on the shining tide his spirit drifted over the sunrise sea of pearl and silver to the haven where lost margaret waited beyond the storms and calms end of section 65 recording by skip washington dc